Well, it's good to be here tonight as the church. (laughs) And we're going to talk about hope tonight. As Pastor Mark said, that uh, we are talking about faith, hope, and love in these next three weeks. You know, this morning, faith. Tonight, we're talking about hope. And tomorrow, or tomorrow, tomorrow too. But next week, we'll be talking about love. And uh, 1 Corinthians tells us that these three abide. They live. And they live on the inside of us. Oh man, that's good. Faith, hope, and love live on the inside of us. So in talking about hope tonight, hope is the anchor to our soul. That's what the word says. Hope is the anchor to our soul. And you know what anchors do? Anchors really keep you in one place. They keep you grounded. They keep you from drifting with the currents. And you know, there's a lot of currents right now. (laughs) A lot of currents that would maybe take us off in a direction, but hope will keep us steadfast. It'll keep us firm in our faith. And so uh, I'm going to look at a couple of scriptures, but first I want to tell you what the vine says about hope. It says that hope has to do with the unseen and with the future. Hope is an expectation, and not just an expectation, it's a confident expectation. When we are people of hope, we are hoping in God. That's where our confidence is, and that's how we can hope confidently. Paul presents to us and and really elevates hope to this place of one of the three Christian virtues that abide in us. And that's exactly how Peter talks about hope too. He talks about hope as a living hope. Hope is alive and it lives on the inside of us. Hope feeds our faith and hope focuses our faith. So go with me over to 1 Peter 1, 3. So we're gonna start out here And Peter, actually, he's known as the Apostle of Hope. He wrote this letter called, we call it 1 Peter, but it was a letter, and he wrote it in the time when the church was experiencing great persecution, troubled times for the church. You know, our nation is experiencing some troubled times right now. We are in a place where we need hope. We need hope now. And so hope is here, and hope is in the Word. He talks about hope as a living hope. So hope is really an anticipation and an expectation, a confident expectation of good, of good. And biblical hope is a confident expectation of the promises of God. And we have many promises. This Bible, this word is full of God's promises. So we have a hope, and hope is looking forward. So 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4 reads this way. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. 
Now, I love these words that he uses in describing hope. He says that hope, we've been begotten again, or born again, into a living hope through the resurrection. And he says this, that we have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, reserved in heaven for us. Now, it doesn't mean that we have to wait till we get there. It means that this living hope, because our hope is based on the word of God, is reserved for us because of the resurrection of Jesus. So this hope is something that's now available for us. And what happened in the resurrection? Well, Jesus restored what the enemy had stolen. You know, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, the word tells us. But Jesus came that we might have life. And he brought us life, he gave us life, and he gave us a living hope. And because of his resurrection, we can experience that now. It's not reserved in a place that's separate from us, it's for us. It's protected for us. And so Jesus restored what the enemy had stolen from man. That's our inheritance. Peter says our inheritance is reserved for us in heaven, a place beyond corruption or decay. Nothing can happen to that hope that would cause it to lose its power. No, it's powerful, and our inheritance is accessed by faith. By faith. So what kind of faith? Well, first of all, a faith that receives Jesus as Lord. Our hope is accessed by receiving him as our Lord. And second of all, a faith that receives what salvation holds for us. So Jesus provided some things for us, and, and salvation is way more than just going to heaven. Salvation means saved, but it means healed and restored and prospered and preserved and made whole. There's, it's protection. There's so much in salvation. And that's what's in the hope that is our inheritance and that is reserved for us and that is accessed through faith in him. Now that's some good news. We need that today. We need that kind of hope today. And we have it. So this living hope works with our faith and it causes us to be receivers of the promises of God. And this is why we can get our hopes up. We said hope is an anchor to our soul. And in this time where everything, you know, feels so uncertain in the natural, we have a strong hope that is anchoring us. We can get our hopes up for good things to come because we're anchored deep into the word of God and into the promises of God. So because our anchor is down, we need to get our hopes up. And hope and faith work together. Hope supports our faith, but hope also works on its own merit. Hope also stands alone and strengthens us. Hope brings a stability to us, and it brings a, a stableness to our life and to our faith. Biblical hope has a very certain outcome. We can look to the future, and we can look to what God said and know that it will come to pass. Because when God speaks, there's no way that it won't come to pass. There's just no way. God cannot lie, and God is not 
uh, human like us, God has the power to back up everything and anything that he says. So praise God, our hope is certain. And that hope becomes something that grounds us and that keeps us on the promise. So there is great stability in hope. I want to read to you from Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. It says, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and who have made the Lord their hope and confidence. We can make the Lord our hope and confidence. And then it says this, it says, They are like trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Now, I love this picture. He uses the picture of this tree that's planted by the the river with uh, its roots going deep and this green, prosperous, leafy tree as an example of what we look like when we put our hope and confidence in God. So when we put our hope and confidence in God, it doesn't matter what's going on around us. We are prosperous and we are fruitful. And that's what uh, the strength of the hope in him. So it doesn't matter if you're in quarantine. You know, it says here, worried by long months of drought. But it doesn't matter if you're quarantined or if there's things that are going on in the nation where, you know, things look different than they used to. We actually have a great hope And we can stay strong and rooted deep in him. Circumstances do not have to affect us. Jeremiah lets us know that this hope in God is a hope that goes deep and it lasts. It lasts through everything. It is sustained and it sustains us. It sustains us through all that comes. Biblical hope is very different than natural hope. Natural hope, hope in the world, uh, in, the, in the sense, you know, and you've heard it this way, you know, well, I hope things get better. I, I hope the economy recovers. I hope that, that things change. I hope that we get over this. No, we will get over this. <laughs> we will get through this. We will. But see, biblical hope is different. It's almost like a, a wishing. It's like wishing that things change. And we have really dumbed down hope. There is such power in hope. Hope is putting our roots deep and causing us to be strong and stable. It's a confidence. It's an expectation. But the world doesn't see hope that way because natural hope and biblical hope are very different. Hope in God is different than natural hope. Natural hope doesn't really have a foundation. We're just wishing that something would change. Biblical hope hopes in God. And it says here in Jeremiah that blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Wow. That's a choice that we make. Making the Lord our hope and our confidence is a choice. It doesn't just come natural. We have to do it. Like Pastor Mark was talking about today, how we change what we're thinking about, how we change what we're saying, and we put it in line with God. Hope is the same. We put our hope in God. We decide to trust him because he is true and he is faithful. So in the New Testament, hope refers to the confidence, the expectation, and some translations say the sure thing 
and the knowing that God's promises will come to pass. Hope is strong. So the most classic example of biblical hope is Abraham. And we're going to go over to Romans 4, 16 through 21. And we're going to read it out of the Amplified Bible. So Romans 4, 16 through 21. It says, Therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith. And it depends entirely on faith in order that it might be given as an act of grace, unmerited favor, to make it stable and valid and guaranteed to all his descendants. Not only are the devotees and adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, who is thus the father of us all. Now, I love this. You know, in children's church, we used to sing the song, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I'm not a singer, but I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. But, you know, it's just a simple little song that that helps us know who we are a little bit. But Abraham was the father of our faith. And it's telling us that we are descendants of him because we have the same kind of faith as Abraham. And Abraham didn't get the promise of God because he was good enough or because he earned it. He got it because of faith. And so then it goes on and it says this, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He who was appointed our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. For Abraham, human reasoning for hope being gone, hoped in faith. Oh, I love that. See how hope and faith work together? It says he hoped in faith. And what did he hope in faith for? Well, here it goes on and it says, he hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised. Notice he didn't receive this yet. He put trust in God, faith and trust in God. And it says that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised, so numberless shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's deadened womb. No unbelief or distrust made him waver, doubtingly question concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God, fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and do what he had promised. See, Abraham, he understood the natural reality of his circumstances, of his body and of Sarah's body. He understood the reality of their situation, but he chose to do something different. He chose to take the promise of God and to put hope in it, to, put, to, to really let his hope root down into that promise. And that hope began to develop something in him, and it was faith. And that faith reached out and grabbed hold of that promise and drew it in. And see, hope and faith work together. But 
Hope is a very important part of our faith. And we never let go of hope. In fact, hope feeds our faith. And really, it works like this. Hope, you could say, is in this hand, and faith is in this hand. But the Word of God is a bridge between the two. And as we're waiting for that promise to come to pass, hope feeds our faith, and our faith grows strong and remembers and looks back on that hope, and it continues to grow. So the bridge between the two is the Word of God. And we cross over that bridge many times between hope and faith before the promise is actually in our hands. And that's what Abraham and Sarah did. They walked out their hope and their faith, and they let each one strengthen each other. Their hope and faith kept growing stronger and stronger because the word of God was that bridge between the two. Hope is like a picture of what is to come. It's like the map. But faith is the vehicle that we get in to go there. But let me say this. What happens if you lose the map partway through your trip? Well, you might not get to your destination, right? And so hope is like the map. Faith is the vehicle. But while you're in the vehicle, you continue to refer to the map. And you keep that map out. And then you put the map maybe down for a minute. And you move forward in faith. But then you get that map out again. And it shows you where you're going. Hope is a confident expectation of our future, of what's to come. So they're very important and they work together. And I love this part. It says, Abraham was strong in faith because he kept giving glory to God. I tell you, that is the place that we need to be in. Keep giving glory to God for what God has promised and it'll strengthen us on the inside. And that's how he kept his hope and his faith alive. That's how he did it. So this hope, Peter tells us, is a living hope that we receive. But we don't just receive it once. We continue to rehearse and give glory to God, just like Abraham did. And that hope gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It continues to work. So before Sarah was pregnant with Isaac, you could say this, Abraham and Sarah were pregnant with a promise. They let that promise, that hope grow in them. They let it get big. And I'll tell you, when somebody is pregnant and that baby is getting big, you can tell it. You can see it. And we might think hope is an invisible thing, but you can see it. You can see it in the way people talk. You can see it in the decisions they make. You can see it in their countenance on their face. You can see it in their peace. You can see when people are hopeful, can't you? So faith was working and hope was working. And let me say this. It doesn't tell us that Abraham, it, 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 in fact, in verse 17, it says this of, of uh, Romans 4, 17, it says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He was appointed our father in the sight of God whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. You know, he didn't speak of them and uh, just begin to proclaim what wasn't true. No, he took the promise of God and he began to speak it and speak it and speak it. He we speak the promises of God. He didn't say, I'm not 100 years old. No, 
he actually said, I'm 100 years old, and guess what? We're going to have a baby. <laughs> God told us. He gave us a promise. And that promise is true because the one who made it is faithful and true. We don't deny our circumstance, but we begin to speak what God said over those circumstances. And that will cause hope to rise and to grow. It will cause hope to get big. So Hebrews 6.13, let's go over there. Hebrews 6.13 tells us this. It says, For when God made his promise to Abraham, he swore by himself, since he had none greater by whom to swear, saying, Blessing, I will certainly bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so it was that he, Abraham, having waited long and endured patiently, realized and obtained in the birth of Isaac the pledge of what was to come, what God had promised him. Men indeed swear by greater than themselves, and with them in all disputes, the oath taken for confirmation is final, ending strife. Accordingly, God also, in his desire to show more convincingly and beyond a doubt to those who were to inherit the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose and plan intervened, mediated with an oath. This was so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to ever prove false or deceive us, we who have fled to him for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast the hope appointed for us and set before us. Now we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor to the soul. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under whoever steps out upon it a hope that reaches farther and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil, where Jesus has entered in for us in advance, a forerunner, having become the high priest forever after the order and rank of Melchizedek. You know, I love this scripture because it tells us the certainty of our hope. It tells us that our hope isn't based on something that is going to break down. It says, no, everyone who steps out on this hope of God's promise will have that promise firm under their feet. We can stand on his promise. And he says this too, we have a mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast the hope appointed for us and set before us. We have a hope that is sure and steadfast. And it says here, an anchor to our soul. It keeps us from drifting. It keeps us from going in a different direction. So as we're examining this scripture, it's important that we take note of what our soul is. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And he says, when we put hope in the word of God, which is backed by his promise and his oath, his very integrity, he says we can know that, that it's an anchor to our soul. So wherever our mind or our will or our emotions would try and go another direction, and I'm sure you've experienced it a lot in the last few weeks, right? <laughs> our minds go to all kinds of places. 
Our emotions go to all kinds of places. But this hope is an anchor for our soul. It keeps our soul grounded and steadfast. It keeps it founded on the promise of God. So just like when you go to the ocean and, you know, when you're out there in the waves and and playing around in the waves and the ocean can tend to move you because of the current, just the natural motion of the ocean can move you down the beach. Well, if you had an anchor, you would be steadfast, you would be planted, you would be firm. And he says that hope is an anchor to our soul. Our hope is anchored in the Lord and in his faithfulness. And you could even say this, it's anchored in the blood of Jesus. It's anchored in the blood because it tells us that Jesus who went in beyond the veil, Jesus, it says that, it, that our hope reaches further and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil. And he's talking about where his blood was placed on the mercy seat. Oh man, wow. Our hope is an anchor to the soul. So we are anchored and firm and fixed and immovable when we're anchored in the promise of God. So I want to share with you just a couple points on how to set our hope anchor. How do we set our hope anchor? How do we get our anchor anchored into the word of God? Well, here's, here's point number one. First of all, you get into the word of God. We've got to get into the word of God. And the word brings us hope. So anywhere the word is preached, and I'll tell you, I just love how right now we are having so many encouraging words from the body, from those who, who we fellowship with on a regular basis, from the different uh, ministers and, and things that are, that are coming out. There's so many encouraging words, and you can draw hope from every one of those. You can draw hope from Sunday services. You can draw hope from a podcast. You can draw hope from the person you call on the phone who's encouraging you with the scripture today. We can draw hope whenever and wherever we get into the word of God. Because we can easily in these days drift into worry, drift into self-pity because of our own circumstance, drift into negativity, drift into the bad reports. I mean, all you have to do is listen to the news for 10 seconds right now, and you can drift. <laughs> but if we get into the word of God, we'll be setting our anchor in hope. We'll be giving ourselves something to really dig into. So our soul has to be anchored in the right things. And let me read to you Jeremiah 15, 16. It says this, Jeremiah was encountering a really difficult time himself, and he was even contemplating whether he should quit serving God altogether, whether he should quit preaching the word, whether he should quit doing what God had called him to do. And this is what he said. He said, your words were found, and I ate them. Oh man, I love that picture. He says, I ate them. I consumed your word. What are we consuming right now? Are we consuming the word of God? Because if we are, then it'll be like Jeremiah where he says, your words were found and I ate them and your words were to me a joy and the rejoicing of my heart for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. You know, just something Jonathan said as we were worshiping he said you have to know who and whose you are and Jeremiah came right back to that 
when he got the word and he consumed it, God reminded him of who he was. He was called. He was called by the name of the Lord. And he was reminded of whose he was. He, rem- he was reminded of who and whose he was. So Abraham, in the same way, he received hope in the word of the Lord. It says that he took that word, that you will have descendants, you'll have a son. And he even took those visual pictures that God gave him of sand and stars. And he began to meditate on those things. He meditated on the word of God and he was strengthened in hope and in faith, giving glory to God on a regular basis. So here's number two in the points. Number two is this, begin to give voice to the promise. Pray it, say it, speak it, sing it. Oh man, however you can give voice to the promise, give voice to the promise. It will stir hope on the inside of you. Speak something different than what the news is saying. Speak something different than what all of the the world is talking about right now. You know, they're talking about the coronavirus and all of the different things. But as Pastor Mark said this morning, speak something different. Speak the hope that we have. Speak what God has said. You know, Abraham was strengthened, giving glory to God. Let it come out of your mouth. And I love the story of Sarah and Abraham because One of the things that God did for them was he helped them to speak his promise and his word by changing their names. You know, we don't think about sometimes what that really meant, but every time they spoke to one another, they were declaring the promise. They were speaking the word of God. They were speaking the promise of God because his promise was in their names. It was in their names, their new names. And so they saw the sand and they were reminded. They saw the stars and they were reminded. And they spoke to each other in the names that God had given them and they were reminded. No wonder that they were finding their hope in God because all the time that's what was coming out of their mouth. So speak it. Begin to give voice to the promise of God. Let it come out of your mouth. Say it out loud and say it often. And even if you're the only one in the room, speak the promise of God. Sing it. Oh, songs are so powerful for, for bringing forth that, that, uh, the, the, what God is doing and what he's saying. And I'm thinking about this song that I just, I put it on my Instagram. So if you look there, you'll find it. But it's a song by Leland. Maybe somebody can tell me the name of it. Um, but it's all about the blood. Oh man, it's powerful. What a song to be listening to right now. Better Word. It's called a Better Word. What a song. If you haven't heard it, look it up. Declare it over your life, over the nation. Declare it. Plead the blood of Jesus. So get it deep in your spirit so that you can't think about anything else. And here's the third one. Keep your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith. Keep your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith. So don't examine every what if scenario. Keep our eyes fixed on him. Don't take them off of him and put them on someone else, something else. Don't think about other things. Keep your eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith. 
And I want to share this story with you. And, you know, for many of you, you heard it just a, a few months ago. But uh, it's about getting our, our anchors tangled up. You know, when we get our, our eyes on all kinds of different things, it'll tangle up our anchor line. It'll tang tangle up our anchor, and our anchor can be pulled up. So when uh, Pastor Mark was turning 50 and Pastor Craig McCune was turning 60, we decided all together that we were going to do this birthday trip. And so it was a super fun birthday trip. We went to St. John, and we chartered a catamaran for a few days. And uh, it was a really fun and wonderful time. And we had all kinds of great experiences. When you're doing something like that, you can go on this boat because you have a captain and a cook, and they just take you pretty much to all the great places that they know. So we had this uh, wonderful captain who was taking us into all kinds of uh, bays and different places. And so one night, we were going into this protected bay to spend the night. And we were going to anchor there and spend the night. Well, on the way into this protected bay, there was kind of this cool site. And it was like a, a rock uh, formation. And there was a, a wrecked ship on it. it. had wrecked many, many years ago. It was all rusted out. But you could tell, I mean, they didn't know those rocks were there. And the, the ship ran into those rocks. And so it was a, a dangerous place, but not for us, because we were just passing by there, and we were going to anchor our boat. And so we did, and had a beautiful dinner, and everybody went to bed. And then in the middle of the night, there was a crash on our boat. And I mean, we were looking around. What just happened? We woke up. We came out onto the deck. And what we thought happened was that another boat had become unanchored in the night and they hit our boat. Well, that's what we thought. That was the extent of it. But our captain was assessing the situation. And come to find out, not only did they become unanchored and drift into our boat, but our vessel was now moving with theirs and our anchor lines were tangled up. Well, you know what happens when your anchor line is tangled up? It's pretty hard to get untangled. And so everybody put on snorkels, and we were praying uh, on the deck of the boat, Sharon and I were, but all the, the men were in dinghies and, and snorkels and trying to get everything untangled. And then finally, in a really intense moment, our captain said, we, to, he yelled to the other boat, and it was pretty intense. And he said, we are cutting your anchor line. We are cutting ourselves loose because we were drifting into that shipwreck. We were drifting into a place where we would be shipwrecked if we did not cut ourselves free from that. And I want to tell you, our hope is like that. We can get our anchor line all tangled up with all kinds of things that'll cause us to drift and eventually experience shipwreck. And sometimes we just have to cut ourselves off from some things. We have to cut ourselves off from the bad report, from the negativity. We have to cut ourselves off. So keep your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith. Don't let your anchor line get tangled up in circumstances or in fear. Or don't let your mind wander and take you into a place of shipwreck. No. Keep our hope alive by keeping our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith. And you know, with Abraham and Sarah, God gave them two pictures. 
He told Abraham, I want you to look at the sand and I want you to see all these grains of sand and know that your descendants will outnumber these grains of sand. And then he said, look at these stars. And he said, I want you to see all these many stars and know that you will have more descendants than the stars that are up here. And he was giving him two everyday pictures. In the sand, he saw it every day. The stars, he saw it every night. He was giving Abraham a tool to keep his thoughts focused. But you know what? We have that too. To keep our hope anchored, we have this tool, the Word of God. And this Word of God, we can look at it every day and every night, and it can keep us strong, fixed, founded. So what happens if we get discouraged? Well, we go right back to the promise and we stir up our hope again. We move forward in our faith, and we let God renew our vision. We see it, and we say it. We declare it, and we let God begin to work with our faith and our hope grounded in those promises. Take courage from the Word of God. Expect the Lord. So Psalm 31, verse 24, says this. It says, be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for and hope for and expect the Lord. Put your anchor down and get your hopes up. Put your anchor into the word of God and get our hopes up high. Stir yourself, feed yourself, let your hope be strong because God is doing a mighty work. Our mighty God is at work. Amen. Well, one of the best ways to focus on Jesus is to receive and remember with communion. And so I want to talk to you just a moment about what communion does for us. Communion, and, and I'm going to read this out of Colossians 1, 20 through 27 from the Passion Translation. Colossians 1, 20 through 27 from the Passion Translation. It says, and by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and on earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again, made holy through Christ. Even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. We take communion and we remember communion so that we can remember what Jesus did for us. And part of this promise in Colossians is, it says he released his supernatural peace to us. And not only that, it says, so that we would dwell in his presence. You know, communion really brings us back to a place where we remember. It's a time of reconnection. And I like how Colossians says that out of the, tra the translation that we just read. It says that communion is a time for reconnection and refocus. It's an intentional time to remember who he is and what he has done for us. 
It's a time where we align ourselves again with his word and with his sacrifice. It's a moment where we get to celebrate what he did and it is a celebration because aren't you glad that Jesus went to the cross for us? Aren't you glad that he redeemed us and restored us? Aren't you glad that he healed us? Aren't you glad that he is faithful and true to his promises? And aren't you glad that he put a deep hope on the inside of us? It is a time to reconnect. Communion also is a time to celebrate the goodness and the greatness of God who lives in us. Let me read to you John 6, 48. It says, I am the bread of life, the bread that gives life, the Amplified says. And in verse 51, he says, I myself am this living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And also the bread that I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh, my body. In communion, we're remembering that Jesus gave his body. And it's a celebration as we take that into our body. We are really celebrating the goodness and greatness of God who lives on the inside of us. Oh man, that scripture that says that we are overcomers and that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, it's true. It's really true. And lastly, communion is a declaration. It's a declaration of the promises of God for salvation and healing and wholeness. And it's a declaration that everything Jesus went to do on the cross has been completed and fulfilled and that he raised from the dead. And we remember that with communion. We remember it. And here's something wonderful about communion. The same power that was in the original deliverance, the original picture of deliverance, where they put the blood on the doorpost of their homes and death passed over, that same power is also in the remembrance. There's power in communion. There's power for us to access as we take and receive communion and we sit down with the body and the blood of Jesus. Wow, we're remembering that sacrifice. So there's so much in it. And you know, if uh, you are joining us tonight by Facebook or by live stream, and you don't know the power in the blood and you don't know salvation, then right before we receive communion, I want us to pray a prayer together. You can know him. You can know him in this way and you can have a hope, a hope that is grounded and that is sure, that's grounded in the promises of God. So let's all pray together right before we receive communion here. Say this with me, Father, I thank you that you love me, that you have a future for me that's full of hope. You sent your son for me. He gave his life so that I could have life. So I choose to turn from my own way and I call upon Jesus to be Lord of my life. And I choose to follow you. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness and forgive me of all my sin.
I declare that right now I am your child. And I am free to be who you created me to be. I declare that I am healed and restored and redeemed. I thank you for your plan for me, Lord. Reveal it to me. Cause me to live in your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, then you are born again. And I'm so glad that every day from now on is going to be different for you. <laughs> and if you prayed that prayer with us tonight, make sure that you get onto our website, onto our app, and you can click that share your story button and you can tell us how that happened for you, how you received him. And we'll be able to connect with you and to send some, some things your way that'll help you with this decision that you made.